recorded live from the wayofm.org studios in the fabulous Fetter Building in Rochester, New York. Welcome to Transformation Thursday. I'm Penny Sterling. And I'm Amy Stevens. In this podcast, we take an objective look at dramatic change. And as two transgender women, we know a thing or two about that. And we will talk about transgender issues on the show in a way that we think will be both informative and entertaining. But we'll also be looking at the amazing number of radical changes we're experiencing in our society as well. And on today's show, we're doing a little bit of both. Our first segment will be talking about a true inspiration and friend of mine, Corey Humphrey, and not about me. Damn it. Well, sorry. We'll be talking about Corey's transformation from living in Oklahoma as a transgender man, moving to Rochester, New York, and I suspect a little bit about his top surgery. And in our second segment, we'll take a look at why transgender surgeries are so important to the well-being of the transgender population. But for now, let's continue with that time-honored tradition of the music swell and fade out. And we're back, and now we're going to be talking to that wonderful person we just previewed a little bit ago. Um, we're going to talk to Corey Humphrey a little bit about being a transgender man, since we've talked so much in the last couple episodes about being a transgender woman. There's a whole other flip side of this that I think deserves a whole lot of attention as well. Everybody, welcome Corey Humphrey. Woo. Yay. Yay. Wee. So, so Corey, welcome to Transformation Thursday. Thank you. Thank you. You know, my first complaint is um, I heard that there was going to be snacks. I was here when See, you recorded that. For, for, yeah. For, for purposes, maybe I should have. Well, yeah. well, for purposes of this show, water is considered to be a snack. All right. Yeah, I provided he, my own yeah. snack, apparently. <laughs> so please, please donate on the Patreon, everyone. <laughs> Yeah. Did you bring it up to share because I'm running out? Yeah. Uh, I suppose so. It Thank is full. you, sweetie. Yep, yep, yep. So, so Corey, tell us a little bit about, about you. What, what makes Corey tick? Uh, well, um, I didn't know it was going to be that kind of podcast. Ooh, well, remember. <laughs> this is not live, so you can, you can yeah, edit it. We, we can edit, but, <laughs> but, but Penny's really tired, so we don't want to make her edit too much tonight. So sure, let, let's, sure. Let's give the thumbnail version of who Corey Humphrey is. Um, well, um, I consider myself, um, I guess not necessarily a trans man. I don't like the term man, um, attached to any war with me. I prefer okay. to be like, like trans guy with an asterisk or something like that. Um, and I grew up in Oklahoma and I moved to Rochester in about 2012. Um, a friend went to RIT up here. And at the time, he was not trans. Um, well, probably knew he was, but at least to me, I didn't realize he was also transitioning. Um, okay. But he told me a lot about Rochester and how there's a lot of trans uh, rights and protection laws and stuff in place here. And that there's a really great community and that I should always check it out. And I started Hormones in Oklahoma after I came out. That was, I think, in 2011. And then I, uh, before moving to Rochester... Moved to California. Ooh, what, which part of California? I actually lived uh, with one of my best friends, boyfriends, in Pacoima, which is by L.A. Okay. Um, and I went there to check out West Hollywood to make sure I wanted to be a gay boy. And? and yeah, I fit well. I fit in very well there. <laughs> 
Well, well, before California, before you got there, you know, one of the things, you know, being in New York, I think we take a lot of things for granted when it comes to the rights that we have in the LGBTQIA plus community. And so talk a little bit about what what are those big differences between Oklahoma and New York that, that keep you here in Rochester? Because let's face it, from November to April, maybe even May, it's pretty. It can be pretty dark here, it, and very gray and it's cold. terrible. Yes, yeah. yes. The the winters are awful. Um, but yes, um, I pretty much left Oklahoma because you know, unless you have a dick, you are not allowed to you know put on any paperwork that you're male at all. So right. in order to change my identifications to reflect the gender that I wanted to be presented as, which is male, um, then, you know, I would have to provide operation um, documentation, 100%. So so even in the medical field in Oklahoma, there is a resistance to transgender uh, recognition. And I mean, like they try and put, they try to put... uh, Roadblocks in the way of your transition? Um, so in order to get documents changed, like my ID changed, um, they will absolutely in that change birth certificate, um, to my knowledge still. Even still? Uh, to my knowledge still. I don't really keep up with Oklahoma. Uh, don't blame you. Yeah. Um, but um, no, and, and in order to get, you know, my name changed uh, to a gender neutral name, which is obviously Corey, you know, it goes both ways. Um, and then... Um, my documents changed on my driver's license. Um, they said that I would have to provide um, 100% documentation of all surgeries. Um, and trans being transgender is not linear. It seems very intrusive to be asking somebody about surgeries just to change some documentation. And, yeah. I, th- and I think a lot of us take this for granted. I mean, you were born and raised in New York, right, Penny? Mm-hmm. I was born and raised in Minnesota, two very liberal states. And for me, it's just a matter of, for me to change gender on my birth certificate, even it's just a matter of, of a letter from a doctor, sending in the paperwork and getting something back in four to six weeks. Yeah. So that's not the case in Oklahoma. No. And, and I, and, but unfortunately there are a lot of states like that. Mm-hmm. So did you look at any other states other than California, New York, before you moved here? I mean, you mentioned your friend from RIT. Was there any, was it just, hey, my friend's here. This place is awesome. And hey, I'm here. It's actually um, a friend of mine um, moved out. Um, I He he probably researched stuff more than I did. <laughs> um, but he moved out to RIT. And then the next year he brought his girlfriend. And then next year they brought her best friend. And then the next year I was in Oklahoma um, when they were visiting. And I ended up selling my car and hopping in theirs and coming up to Rochester. So not much thought involved other than going from coast to coast. That's a brave move. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. Yeah. Is it pay, do you think it's worked out well for you? Um, yeah, you know, I really enjoy Rochester. It's a beautiful place. Um, I come from the land of the Great Plains, which um, the land is beautiful out there. Um, and depending on the folks that you're around, you know, the give or take. Um, I'm closer to um, Texas. Um, so coming up here, it's very green and there's water. That's, that's, you know, not brown or red. Yeah. Not brown or red with, you know, floating dead stuff in it. Um, and so, yeah, Rochester has been really wonderful for me. Um, 
So how long were you in Oklahoma then on hormones or the process there? I mean, we've talked a little bit about it, but mm-hmm. I think you were dating somebody at the time. Um, dating somebody at the time, yeah. I'm yeah, not sure. Did you, have a, did you have somebody in Oklahoma that you were seeing that was like, nope, you can't do this? Oh, from the comedy show. Um, yeah, so I um, dated a guy for quite some time, and um, I... A lot of people always ask the question, when did you know? When did you know you were trans? Right? Yep. I'm sure you both have been asked that. You're in the grocery store. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and for me, um, my education, um, again, being from Oklahoma, um, is, you know, there is no really, like, LGBT community. If there is something like that, you know, you're really hush-hush about it. You know, people still get, you know, beat up, drive-bys. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. Um, And so um, I didn't really have a lot of friends in the community, but I... That was, I'm 32, so that was back when AOL, you know, like, was booming. (laughs) You got mail. (laughs) So, like, I was in the AOL chat rooms. I was in the AOL chat rooms hardcore, um, and so I would always role play as a male character. Um, every dream I ever had, I was always male um, with other men, so I was always a gay guy, like no matter what. And so, you know, I would read a lot of fan fiction. I would write a lot of fan fiction. I would RP, um, you know, in the chat rooms and stuff. And I didn't realize that there were female to male transgender individuals until I was about 21, and um, it was at the One Gay Bar in Oklahoma. One Gay Bar? <laughs> the One Gay Bar. In Oklahoma City? Um, no, there is um, another gay bar over there, but no, um, I'm from the Lawton Fort Sill area, so by okay. military base. Ooh. Yeah, so um, There was a lot of drag shows there, and then one night there was, I just saw on stage, um, a guy just come out, just a dude, not in drag or anything like that, no dress, no wig, no nothing, no makeup, and I'm like, what is this guy doing on stage? This is for queens, and like, someone's like, uh, that's a drag king, and I'm like, what the heck's a drag king? And um, that's when I went down a YouTube rabbit hole of drag king (laughs) stuff. And um, accidentally came across a pre-transition picture, or I'm sorry, video, and then um, one year on testosterone video. And oh, it, my. And it was like the same person. And I'm like clicking, clicking. And I'm like, there is no way that's the same person. And that's when I learned that I, too, can be female-bodied, you know, take testosterone, and look like a really cute gay boy. And you do that well. Oh, thanks, thanks. Yes. Yeah. You know, I I know this is about you, but I want to tell you my my first experience with drag kings was uh, at 140 Alex. Okay. Uh, And I was doing this thing called uh, the Girls' Night Out, which was a a large, uh, a a nice group of uh, men, uh, trans men, cross-dressers who would meet at a bar on a, like, the, the third Saturday of every month. 
And one of those, the first ones that I went to, they said, let's go to 140 Alex. And so I went there and I was watching. Mine was a similar, kind of similar. There were a lot of drag kings there for that one, but I didn't recognize. I was like, who let all these underage boys here? Right, right, yeah. And I was like, and it, it took, because it, they were, they looked very much like you got it. My same reactions. Those are just like some some 18-year-old kids. Uh, there's some 18-year-old boys hanging out. Who brought them in here? And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, the, the, the last horse crosses the line. That was me. And I was like, that's, and so it was just amazing. And, you know, I, presentation-wise, it is, it, I, I'm, you are astoundingly masculine. I'm, I'm very, you know, it, it's, I don't, it's okay for me to say that, but you present very much as a, as, as in, in a masculine fashion. Oh, well, thanks. I think it's just because mostly people consider me an asshole, but we, <laughs> but we all need one. Well, They're useful, right? No, I, yeah. You know, but the other thing too, that I liked about what Corey just said here is, you know, I introduced him as a trans man, but, you know, and he said, I don't really think of myself in that term. And it goes mm -hmm. back to something like even I have this pre, this presupposition of what Corey is, but there's no one way to do transgender. No. And Just like there's no one way to be cisgendered either. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Literally anybody can be however the F they want. And I, and I think that's what gets lost in a lot of our society these days is that everybody has this preconceived notion, but, you know, wonderful people like Corey are just blowing that up and saying, no, I'm going to live my life on my terms and take charge of my life. And, you know, I think I'm speaking for myself, but I think I speak for you. I wish I would have figured this out back when Corey did, like at that same similar well, age. should have went 20s. to more drag shows. Hmm. Yeah, but Oshkosh, Wisconsin was not the place for him. <laughs> um, and um, to also kind of go off of like what you were saying about like um, how I don't really associate with the term man, you know, I just male and stuff like that. I just don't, you know, I'm transgender with an asterisk and I only use the terminology to help people kind of understand yeah, like who I am and that I'm a little bit different because I don't even really consider myself necessarily transgender. I just kind of see myself as a person, as me. Um, I don't necessarily feel, you know, like any one way. Um, and how people perceive me and stuff like that as, you know, masculine or whatnot. Um, a doctor here in Rochester um, who specializes in transgender patients, um, I would go to him frequently to get um, manipulations. So like um, he would do like kind of chiropractic kind of stuff um, to my bones because I would wear um, a binder and it would displace my ribs um, and it would like pull my muscles out and I'd have really bad migraines. It was just a nightmare. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's not something that I, I, I'd, I'd ever come. It's like, no, about. I would never think about that. And I, and yeah, so it's like a corset. Yeah, it but F's your <laughs> your structure just up. So, yeah. so look, real quick, you mentioned migraines. There seems is that a common thread in the trans masculine community? Because I, I've spoken to other trans masculine individuals that seem to that seems to be a common thread. Well, I mean, I mean, there's statistics all over the board for all kinds of reasons. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, just, but I mean, it may be worth looking into that it might okay. be um, structurally related to binding. I mean, that's totally a thing. Um, and I learned that from um, the top muscles and everything being connected all the way to your cranium and stuff like right. that. And I, I'm, I'm interested in hearing the finish the story about what happened when you went to this. Yes. So um, 
uh, it was, uh, you know, again, very, he saw mostly all just trans specialists, right? Mm -hmm. And um, he would, you know, I'd be on my back and he'd be like, you know what, Corey? You got a nice looking mustache. That's looking real good. Every single time I would see him, he'd comment on my mustache. And for those of you who obviously can't see me right now, I don't grow hair very well. I'm nine years and like this is like on my face right now. This is what it is. All right. Mm. Uh, my mama would say that you could put uh, milk on it and a cat could lick it off. Yeah, that's what I got going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, so anyway, he would just autopilot to what would be good to say to a trans man what would be supportive to say to a trans man what would a trans man want to hear mm -hmm. so that they would feel better about themselves and i'm not saying that he wasn't saying it to not be supportive and conscious but uh but he was a broken record and he did not see me individually as a person and he did not individually see me as a patient he just lump summed me in the category of a trans man which i do not identify as a trans man per se i got it yeah, and so, and so do I. We could do a whole episode on the medical community because I think there's a lot of stereotyping and pigeonholing that goes into the transgender community, no matter if it's trans mask or if it's trans femme. So I think that could go either way. That's I think that's a societal thing that there that for whatever basically for ease of classification, uh, society wants to put you in uh, a, a a box. And yeah. so there, that's got to be a, an exhausting thing for you to, to constantly fight against that box. Uh, once people learn that I have a vagina or that I'm trans, I mean, it's just like a slew of questions. Like, Amy, like you do a really great job of sharing a lot of crap on Facebook that is just awful that you go through. Yeah. It's, oh. I like, we could just do a whole segment on all like bad dates and like <laughs> bad online stuff mm -hmm. because... Well, what are yeah. you comfortable sharing there? I mean, so let, I mean, you brought anything. This, I mean, you brought this up <laughs> recently with your surgery. So what, what, what kind of stuff oh, have right, you right. seen as, as somebody who's transmasculine in that, in that regard? Because, you know, we could talk about our appendages, you know, Penny and I, but, mm -hmm. but you get it a little bit differently than we do. So, um, so as far as, uh, transgender, uh, surgery operations, gender affirming jazz, all that stuff. Um, for me, um, uh, you know, just let me go back to saying stuff that my mama would say about me. Uh, growing up, I was very feminine. Um, I knew that I was not a dude. I was a girl and guys liked me and I was pretty and I was artistic. So like I visually saw me kind of, I guess, as a character. All right. Uh, so like I was very feminine. I would have my nails done, spray tan. I had extensions in my hair, eyelashes on. Like I, ha I was done to the T. I would not wear flip flops without my nails being done. Hmm. It was crazy. But my mama would always say that my, my chest size was <laughs> like, uh, you know, sunny side eggs. <laughs> With the yolks broken. Wow. Yeah. It's my mama. Thanks, mom. Shout out to you. You'll never hear this. <laughs> are you are you still close with any of your family from Oklahoma? Or uh, how's your relationship with them? Well, um, that can kind of come after finishing the the top surgery kind of um segue into that. But um I my family is very small. Um mm. But um, my mom and I still communicate, and that's pretty much about it. But 
so top surgery for me had never really been that much of a priority because my chest was never big. Broken eggs. Broken eggs, yes. I had lots of broken things with me. <laughs> but um, but yeah, and I've always liked men and I always I grew up dating straight men and I still date straight men because no one's ever one way. Um, and so it's taken me a very long time to get top surgery just because it's not really been that much of a priority. And also I've found it really difficult to find a surgeon that still didn't lump sun me into the category of all the other trans patients. So I've had, um, what is it called? Um, consultations, um, with people in Santa Monica, California and Dallas, Texas, um, Albany, you know, across the States, different places. And I would go in, I would take off my shirt and they would tell me what would look good for me. Hmm. I would say, Hey, I would like to have this procedure done. And they're like, you don't want that. That's not going to look right. That's going to look weird. You want to look like a man. That's not the way to do it. We need to um, elongate your nipples and we're going to shave off your nipple and we're going to move this here, move that there. And um, you want to not look weird, right? This is the way you want to do it. So many doctors said that to me. Hmm. You found one here that didn't? I finally found one here through the grapevine, not listed online, um, who did the keyhole procedure. And I went in to see him. And it was the first time that they actually listened to what I was looking for and understood that, hey, I like my body and I would just like my tits a little smaller. I like my nipples. I just want them a little smaller. Okay. And that was it. He's like, I got you. And that's, that's amazing because it's, you know, I went for a consultation on my face and my doctor, and I guess I just took this for granted then. But she was like, okay, tell me what you want, what your expectation is, and let me tell you if I can do that for you. And so, but one of the things in researching for this episode, one of the things I was looking up is the different procedures. So I can't remember off the top of my head what the... Oh, sure, yeah. So what, the, what are the two big procedures, Corey? Um, double mastectomy, um, okay. which is um, with nipple grafts. So people who are large-chested, um, um, will they'll take their nipples off. They will um, cut underneath um, the breast. Yep. Either I've, double or like a whole all the way across. It just depends. Put the skin down, pop the nipples back on. Now, sometimes the nipples take, sometimes the nipples don't. They'll also get resized depending on the size of um, people's areolas or whatever. Okay. And then there is um, the periareola, um, which is around um, the, the nipples. Um, it can be taken all the way off or not. Um, and then kind of resized that way. Or the keyhole procedure, which is what I got, which is um, kind of like halfway underneath the bottom of the nipple. Um, and then there's the drains and the sides as well for a lot of people. There are a lot of other techniques out there too, but they're very outdated and um, not a lot of people get them. And not every trans person also wants their nipples back on either. I'm just just blown away at the idea of like just taking them off and then reestablish and then, then, then just sticking them back on again. I did not even consider that that would be something that would be done. Well, I mean, when you're, you know, thinking of, you know, like think of when you're, have you ever made cookies? Yeah. You got to move the dough around, don't you? Yeah, I know. But I just, 
The, and when you talk about it, it, it makes sense because it's still the same body. So there's not going to be re as much a rejection stuff, but just the idea of doing that and putting it back on again, like you're disassembling and reassembling something is, is, a, is a fascinating thought. Well, and so just from a real quick, I was doing some research, as I mentioned, but the keyhole punch method that Corey's describing here, only 15% of people that get their breasts, you know, do that, go through the keyhole punch. And so it's a very low percentage. So it is very difficult to find a doctor experienced in it and experienced in the fact that, oh, sure, I have a couple of pictures. These are the ones that I've done. Okay. And the past six months, how many have you done? Oh, uh, none. Oh, okay. Find a different doctor, please. Yeah, you want somebody who's doing this on a day in a day yes. basis. And, you know, you've shared a lot of pictures of your breasts currently as they look mm -hmm. post-surgery on and aesthetically speaking. Speaking, I I think I like these. I think the doctors that told you you wouldn't like it are wrong because I know from seriously, my, mm -hmm. I, it works for you very well. And it's again, and it's every individual is just an individual. Every you know cis woman can have their boobs done, reduced, or anything like that, and um, they can have their hair you know, extended, died, and um, every trans person can do the same because we're all just people. That's a real good lesson, though, I mean, just in general, about being active, an active participant in the doctor-patient relationship and not just go, oh, the doctor said it, so that's, that's what's true. You know, it's, it's, it's like, um, you know, going to a place to buy a car. Oh, I'm sorry, these are only the vehicles that we sell. These are your options. If you don't like them, go somewhere else. Um, you can go to a f custom shop. Go get your shit custom built. You know, <laughs> find somebody. You know, you can find somebody out there. Just have that communication and, you know, just communicate and talk because doctors are just people like you, mm. you know. Yeah. It, it, people are just people. It doesn't matter what profession you're in. And, and I think in doctors... You know, I, I look at my parents' generation and above, and a lot of them just think, okay, the doctor has a degree; they're the expert. Yeah. I'm just gonna, I'm just going to follow along, and I, and I, and it's such a dangerous premise. Now, I understand that my web MD search does not equal the M the MD degree, mm -hmm. but I think in the doctors that I speak with and that I go see, they at least appreciate that I have some background knowledge and I'm willing to listen to their input. Yeah. And that sounds like exactly what you've you you've described here. Getting multiple opinions. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta definitely get an average. Um and um, you know, and he had his own medical office but partnered with a hospital. And so um when I went in for my pre op, I was called she multiple oh, times. I heard this, yes. Oh. Um so the pre op um, was done by the hospital. It was not done by the uh, so-called trained staff. And so when they came in, but this is also to Penny's, um, you know, correlation uh, about how masculine I appear. When they came in, they continued to call me she. And I saw like three, or I'm sorry, four different nurses at that time. And each time they came in, um, yes, Miss Humphrey. And I would correct them, uh, Mr. Please. And they would look at me like appalled. Like, why would a male 
to female transgender individual <laughs> who is wanting a boob job come in here and want to be called male and sir and mister. That's confusing. Mm. And so it happened each time. And I, that was the only conclusion that I could come to is that they thought I was going to get a boob implant. Ah. And, and, and I'm like, is the, the pre-op for both operations the same? Are they not looking at the paperwork? Because let me tell you, I got my wisdom teeth pulled out and he took out the wrong tooth. Mm. But again, this was in Oklahoma. So, you know, I was probably his first human patient. So at least I got the mouth. Well, that is true. So let's, let's close up here in a little bit, but let's. Let's just talk about your feelings and how you feel post-op. I mean, has has having this surgery made a difference for Corey? So this surgery for me isn't necessarily gender affirming because I already am who I am and I've been who I am for a long time. But this operation is about feeling better in my own body and fitting in clothes better and feeling more confident about myself. It's like somebody who may have been like overweight and who would get some skin kind of removed or something like that. Or if you have like a, a, a weird mole on your face that, you know, you don't really like. So this operation to me was kind of like that. And I have a lot more confidence in the clothes that I'm wearing and that the fact that I don't have to bind. But also there are some more insecurities that are going to be coming to the table now because, um, you know, I'm lost my little titties, you know, my little titties are gone and I still date straight men, you know? And so that's going to be a little, that's going to be, uh, anxiety for me mm. because, you know, like before I was all, all natural and, you know, now I got some cosmetic surgery. Have you had any dates since the surgery? Um, I've not had dates in a hot minute. Um, no, no. Um, guys don't believe me when I tell them I have a vagina. Hmm. And, um, I also just don't really know how to date guys anymore. Hmm. Batting my eyelashes to guys doesn't get the same reaction as it used to. <laughs> and, uh. Maybe and it's it, just the wrong guys. It, it might be the wrong guys. But and how do you tell? I, I know. I uh, look, you just got to get up and take your swings. I, you know, nobody's ever one way. I do know that. Um, people can be sure. persuaded, let me tell you. And I think so, but I don't know so much about persuaded, but maybe just open to new yeah, experiences yeah. and new and new ideas. Definitely, so. yeah. Yeah, it's the attraction to the person that is important, yes. not yep. the not not the, uh, the 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 knobs and dials and widgets and tab A and slot B. You know, those yes. sorts of things are not as important as the person. That's what at least that's what that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I think that's I think we're at a good jumping off point. I I want to thank Corey for coming in. Corey, you are our first guest and i thank you oh, wow. so much for coming in on a well, thank you on a hot though, on a hot sunday after evening yeah even though this is transformation thursday we do our recordings on sunday evening for some reason oh that's because we work and we have lives <laughs> so but thank you so much because thank I, you I think for having in, me i think in the transgender world a lot especially for uh the, the general media a lot of attention goes to the trans feminine side Mm-hmm. And I and I think one of the things that we've been talking about recently is that the trans masculine side does not get the same type of attention that, from the media standpoint and publicity wise, lack of better term, 
that we do in the trans femme community. So I, I really thank you for coming in and sharing a little bit about your experience. It's yes. A, it's a similar but still significantly different enough that it was worthwhile to have this conversation. Well, thank you. And thank you both for having, you know, started this and keeping it going. Thank uh, you very much. Yeah. This is great. All right. Well, we'll be right back to talk about some more stuff and we'll be back in just a few seconds. This segment of the show is brought to you by transgender surgery centers all across the world. While some people believe these surgeries are unnecessary or extreme, I will counter that and say, if you are transgender, you would want any and all medical options available to help you reconcile your body with your mind and be one in with yourself. Yeah, the phrase that, uh, that I think is important is uh, dysphoria. Dysphoria? Yes, yeah, body dysphoria or dysmorphia is sometimes it's called. Gender dysphoria? Yeah, it's, yeah basically it's, more, it's just most, well, well, body as well, you know, that, you know, my I want my body to look more like the person that I am and less like the person that I was assigned at birth to be. So we talk about that dysphoria a lot within our community, but how how do you explain that to a cisgender person? I don't know how much of it is their business, quite frankly. So what are they? So what is a cisgender person supposed to understand about us? That we are human beings. I think Corey did a great job about talking about it. Like, don't try and classify me. Uh, what I, I I don't really care about how um, how much I pass because if I went by that barometer, I would I wouldn't be doing this. And that was the barometer that I went by with my life for most of it. Is oh, I, I will not make a I will not be a feminine looking woman. And at some point, I just had to let go of that image of myself and just work at becoming the most feminine, the, 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 becoming the person that I want to look at when I look in a mirror. Well, and I, and, I think, and I think that's right. And I think passing gets a lot of attention within our community. And one of the things that I'm trying to get a lot better with is this concept of blending in. Mm -hmm. If I can blend into the background, and I've noticed, especially early on, and I learned this and I continue to remember this, if I'm in a restaurant or a crowded Starbucks, I just want to become part of that scene and just kind of the flow of people in and out through the store through the day or mm -hmm. whatever it is, because blending in is really what it's about. And there's going to be somebody, I realize I have enough masculine features left in my in my body, especially my voice and my face, that there's going to be somebody that's going to maybe give me that wrong look, clock me as we call it. So it's, but most of the time I do this tend to blend in now. Well, I, I don't know if I ever will blend in. And I know that there are a lot of people who, who won't blend in. And no, I, but, but that's but, okay. Oh. Um, but the, the, yeah, it, the point that I'm trying to make is the, the, what we don't have yet is acceptance of, of people who, you know, it's like, oh, look at that weirdo as opposed to, oh, that's somebody who looks that way and not caring. There's a difference between, you know, the, the, you know, people noticing that I am transgender and people like negatively reacting to the fact that I'm transgender. Yeah. And I'm okay with people noticing that I'm transgender. It's, you know, and, and but it's like, uh, get the look at that weirdo. That's where the issue is. Oh, I, yeah, I think that's right. You, the look here and there is fine, but it's that dramatic negative reaction or if we're in danger physically that we have to be careful with. But coming back to the surgery side of this, I mean... What, what is, since 
you've mentioned the surgery that you've had before. Yeah. What what has that meant for you and your quality of life? Uh, well, I have had an orchiectomy, which is uh, basically the removal of my testicles. Uh, I did that. I had that happen because, for a medically sound reason, I am a you know when I transitioned, I was in my mid fifties, which makes me postmenopausal. Uh, and there have been studies done on the use of estrogen in postmenopausal women, and uh, a too high of a concentration of estrogen leads to uh, additional risks of uh, heart disease, which I which also runs in my family. It was like a bonus that I that I had. I, I did not really want them. I did not want my testicles. Uh, so to have them be able to be because I am. I am 60 years old now. I was 55 years old when I transitioned, uh, and the you know there were the the amount the, the drugs that I would have to take, both the blockers and the amount of testosterone that and the amount of estrogen that I would need to counteract the amount of testosterone that I was generating uh, was kind of prohibitive. So there was the we did the surgical option of the orchiectomy, uh, and um, I have never been happier. I even like the operation the the woman who um you know because it was it was an outpatient surgery and uh, i had to have a, a, a woman there to the, the, somebody there to bring me home and i have a friend who is a nurse and whose office was literally right next door to the to the operation operating room so she was the one that was there when i came out of surgery and she said that the first thing she recognized about me when i came out of surgery is that i looked relieved oh yeah uh, and I've been very relieved about the fact that I, I don't, it's, it, it's, I, my life has been so much better because of that. Um, I'm about to go in also for a consultation for facial feminization surgery, as I know you are as well. Uh, and the idea of being able to look in the mirror and have the person staring back look like the person that I know that I am is very important to me. Yeah, and that's and that's why I went down, and unfortunately, mine got delayed because of an insurance snafu. But it'll work out in the long run. But you talk about the satisfaction level and what you've been happier. The other thing about that is your experience is very much in line with what I was researching before the show tonight. That you know, I was looking for female to male stuff because we were having Corey on today, but there's just not a lot of good data out there on that. From what I saw in my quick Google searching. Anything that was out there had a paywall in front of it. So I pretty much the best I could do is all male to female. And, but over 80% of the people, transgender, femme, trans femme folks that are getting those type of surgeries, that'd be the orky in your situation, gender confirmation, facial feminization surgery, the success rate and the happiness and satisfaction rates are in the high 80% pushing 90%. Yeah. And so that is a very good outcome you know if you could walk into a doctor's office you know with cancer with some other thing and say you know what if you get this surgery this treatment done you're looking at about an 85 90 percent satisfaction or you're going to recover rate you would do it and you'd sign up for it in a heartbeat mm -hmm. yeah and it, the the reactions from the trans folks to all this stuff has nothing to do with science has nothing to do with the happiness of the person that there it all has to do with fear-based reactions and again the class the for me it seems that the, the desire to keep people classified in, spe in specific places because the idea of people actually being happy and pursuing happiness seems to be 
um, counter to what they what what they see in their own lives. That's just my my take on it. Okay, well, I think that's a good place to jump off for the evening. Um, so remember, folks, um, transgender surgery. You don't know if it's necessary or not, and quite frankly, I don't want to hear your opinion on it. Right. If you don't need it, you don't need to talk about it. That's exactly. basically it. What we do like to talk about is our Patreon page. Yeah. What about it? Well, if people are interested in this in this topic, interested in hearing us yammer back and forth at each other, where can they go, Amy? They can go to TransformationThursday.com. That's right. www.TransformationThursday.com. All right, well, we'll be right back and wrap this up in a few seconds. So what have we learned today, Amy? I think the biggest thing that I took away from this, especially in our conversation with Corey, is that everyone is different. Um, Because I started off with the generalization of saying that Corey is a trans man, Mm -hmm. and he corrected me, and rightfully so, and I'm thankful for that. And I think we need to understand and be more inquisitive on what others people's experiences are in life versus us making that snap judgment about them. Yeah, one of my takeaways was uh, how much of an advocate Corey was for 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 his surgery for himself, uh, you know, and that doctor-patient relationship. It's our bodies and we need to be vocal about what we want and what we don't want in in that. So that's a big thing about communication. Yeah, and finally, I think the biggest thing for me, and I think we've we've spoken about this before, is be happy with yourself no matter who you are and celebrate your uniqueness and you live your life as true to yourself as you can. Yeah. So, and uh, the other thing I took away from this is that people need to support our Patreon page so that we can yep. actually start promoting this thing a little better. Yeah, because that's that's our big goal, I think, we, you know, as patrons come on and we start getting more and more funds coming in, we want to get this out because there are so many wonderful transformations in society. As we move further into this, we'll be doing more topics other than LGBTQIA plus topics. Mm-hmm. But I think there's so many in our sphere of influence right now. Um, we're definitely going to deal a lot with that here in the beginning. Yeah, and thanks once again for Corey Humphreys coming in and giving us a brand new aspect and uh, more information about what it's like to uh, have these massive uh, transformations in our lives. Yeah. Should we say goodbye now? Goodbye now. Oh, you want to say your name? I'm Penny Sterling. And I'm Amy Stevens. This has been a WAYO podcast production. All rights reserved. Oh, yeah, 2019. Did I say that right? I think so. Wow, one thing right tonight. All right, say goodnight, Penny. Goodnight, Penny. Oh, bye.